Here we go with the latest SBL shoot around. We take a look at everything from the men's competition with a man who's created a remarkable coaching legacy after a 200-game playing career. Ben Etridge joins Chris Wright to bring you another men's SBL shoot around. Hello and welcome to another week of SBL Shootaround. Things are really, really warming up now in the West Coast Classic. We're three rounds in and all of a sudden we don't have a team undefeated anymore and we don't have a team that hasn't won a game yet. So things are really heating up in the battle for that top four position and all of a sudden we're only six weeks away from finding out who ends up playing in the finals. And we've got another very special guest this week, somebody who played over 400 games in the NBL. Sometimes I just don't think we fully appreciate the caliber of people we have involved in basketball here in WA. And, and this man sums that up. To play that amount of games in the NBL, you have to you have to have a fair degree of talent and, and ability and resilience. And he's now a coach of one of the teams in the West Coast Classic as well. So really excited about that. Plus, we've got all of the West Coast Classic news and results and previews to get through. So it's another jam-packed show of SBL Shootaround. That's enough for me to start with. I'm Chris Pike, the man that has now got a win on the board as an assistant coach at the Calamander Eastern Suns, Ben Etridge. Did you did you crack open a champagne on Sunday night? <laughs> no, but I think I was the first at the uh, subway table after the game because uh, those lunchtime <laughs> games are a real hard, hard one for me. I don't know whether to have lunch before we get there or whatever. Yeah. So, But no, the boys were, boys were happy and it was good to see. It was a good game. A uh, good weekend across the board for us and, and a really good weekend of basketball. I think this weekend we saw teams really well matched um, and, and we saw some good basketball being played all over the place. Yeah, absolutely. We'll get to some of those thrilling finishes. Last week Last week was almost the week, the round of blowouts. This one was the round of, of close matchups and both of your games were pretty tight that you were involved in at the Eastern Suns. One win, one loss and, and it'll be fascinating to delve into that a little bit. Before we go any further... Can you announce our guest for this week? And, and do you agree? Sometimes we just don't appreciate the the quality caliber of people that we do have involved in in our league here. I think that's uh, 100% correct. You know, we have you know NBL legends like Mike Ellis and uh, and and SBL legends like James Fitch and and those sorts of guys that that are involved in our league. And then someone that I think on the Australian landscape is extremely underrated. And and you know this this kid, I went and watched him play at under 16 nationals at Perry Lake Stadium. And at that point in time, he was being compared to the next Andrew Gaze, and he just dominated that that carnival. And that was Aaron Traher, um, just a ahead of his time sort of player and the fact that he was kind of a bigger point guard. He wasn't a traditional quick quick guy around the floor. He was, you know, very skilled offensively, read the play great defensively and just had that size and actually slowed the game down to his pace. And yeah. I think that's what he's now experiencing as a coach and where his style of play and the way he wants people to play, they're very, um, you know, very thought thought process and they're thinking their way through the game and, and those sorts of things. So, yeah, really, really keen to have a chat to, to Aaron about his – his journey and and the number of teams he's played for and the number of different coaches that he's played for and the number of different teammates that he's had because I'm sure along the way there's been a few characters and a few different people that have had an influence yeah. on him and, and where he is right now. Absolutely. It's a, it's a hell of a resume, as we said. 422 games in the in the NBL spread right across a whole host of, of different teams. It started at the Perth Wildcats where he started, won a championship back in 95, and then he ended up at the Kings, the Taipans, the Razorbacks, the Pirates, the Slingers, the Hawks, 
So an, an amazing journey that he went on across those 400, 400 games. And th- then he came back to finish off for a few years playing in the SBL. And, and then he had a year coaching the Geraldton Buccaneers. And now in his fourth year coaching at the Mandurah Magic. So there's a whole heap to talk to him about. And yeah, can't wait to get stuck into that later in the show. But before that, plenty happening in the West Coast Classic for us to talk about, Ben. And like you said, it was an exciting weekend. We saw a buzzer beater on Saturday night from Marshall Nelson for the Perth Redbacks against the Geraldton Buccaneers. We saw a huge shot from Damian Scott for Willerton to force overtime on Friday night against the, the Perry Lakes Hawks. Unfortunately for him, didn't quite end up leading to, to victory. We saw Treon Iliadis put the dagger in your Calamander Eastern Suns late in the game on Friday night in, a, in what turned out to be a terrific game up at HBF Arena as well. It's nothing quite like seeing shots that win games right on the buzzer, is there? It's what separates basketball from almost every other sport. And I think that's the the benefit of, of social media at the moment. Like the league um, blew up on Friday night. You know, everyone was what Marshall Nelson did in that last, uh, you know, sort of eight seconds of that game was just mm. phenomenal. And before you knew it, it was on Instagram, it was on Facebook, it was on Twitter, and people were sharing that around. And then Damien Scott, uh, people were sending me, you know, that clip as well. And then to be sitting there firsthand and, and hear the crowd go absolutely ballistic when Trian uh, put the dagger into us on um, on on Friday night as well. You know, those sorts of things are show you definitely that basketball is definitely back and and people are utilising those those different social media channels to to get the game out there for people to see. Absolutely. Let's let's delve a bit more into that Friday night for you. We talked about it last week, what it was going to be like for you returning to the place where you created such a legacy as a coach. Obviously, two championships, the six grand finals you took them to as a coach. And over the last decade, you and the Junior Love Wolves have been synonymous with each other. What was the reality like of walking back into that building as part of the opposition club? Well, first thing, it took me a lot longer to get in from my car, <laughs> given that I was uh, on, on my crutches still. So that, yeah. that was a bit different. And then, look, <laughs> walking in, it was just great to see uh, you know, the, the people greeted at the door by uh, by Fraser and then walked around the corner and uh, Mr. Mayhew was there doing his court controller job and you know, you saw him. And then just so happened, my uh, my cousin-in-law was coaching on court four. So I went down and had a chat to Ray about what he was doing. And you know, then as the game sort of started to progress, it, it just sort of turned into what it was. Van came over and, and gave me a hug and said, g'day. And Ryan Hunter mm-hmm. came and shook my hand and, and all those things. And then you know, next thing, the game started and away we go. And you're, you're sort of sitting there you know, coaching the game and you're into the game. And for me, I was more focused on our guys than anything. I just really want them to be successful and want them to, to get to that point where those Wolves guys are, where they've got that sustained success. So you know, really into, um, as we have been for the last sort of three weeks, getting the best out of our guys and giving them those opportunities. And then you know, the way the game came down at the end, um, huge fight back by, by our guys to get it back to that point. And then just the class and organisation of, um, you know, Seba and Maxi and, and Trian um, sort of shone through at the end. And, and for our guys, it's those teething issues where, you know, we're, we're in that position where we don't have a, a, a Josh Braun or a, a Lockie Cummings or a Lee Roberts to throw the ball to. And, you know, three of our, our guys all got an opportunity to take a shot there that could have tied it or um, set the game into overtime. And, you know, for whatever reason, it doesn't go down and, and they learn from that. So... Uh, but yeah, just a great night. Really happy to be there um, and, and enjoyed you know getting around the the boys at the end of the game and letting them know that they played forty minutes of basketball how we wanted them to play it. That's a great point you make about the guys learning from being in that experience because if you if you do have a Lewis Timms or your two imports playing, one of those three guys are 
most likely going to be taking those big shots at the end of a game. And you have a look at a club like Joondalup and they've decided to not use this as a development competition. They're clearly in it to win it because you've still got Triani Iliadis, Seb Salinas, Reese Maxwell, Rob Huntington, and then you've added Lee Robertson and and Lachlan Cummings. So clearly that's a team that wants to win this competition and, and you know, there's nothing wrong with wanting to win. I mean, that's what ultimately everyone plays sport for. But at the same time, a lot of clubs are using this West Coast Classic as a chance to develop their younger players and to put them in positions where they would never be in if it was a normal SBL season. And and your your club is the perfect example of that because, like I said, it would have been either Lewis Timms or one of the imports taking those big shots, but instead it's it's Ryan Blanchard or Carl Aylett or Brendan Donato or or you know somebody like that who's taking those shots, maybe even a Cooper Lowe or or whoever it might be. It's a younger player who's under twenty five years of age, clearly. Um, how do you, how are you seeing the balance right now between what some clubs are doing development wise and other clubs that are in this competition to to win it? I think when you look at you talk about your development, there, there's two types of development that you have going on. And one is that team development. And as we've seen it, and it's no different to the last 30 odd years of the SBL. Some teams, uh, they're focused on their team development. They want to get reps into those top five, six, seven guys because they're building. They might be in year three or year four of their five-year plans, for example. So they want to want to get those reps and build that trust in their process because they've had those one or two years of individual development. And then what they'll be looking at is, okay, what do we need to add for next year? Where are the holes and what are we going to plug and what are we going to plug it with? Are we going to get an import point guard? Are we going to get a high-scoring you know, NBL fringe guy that can play on the play the three spot for us, or we're going to go get a you know a big guy from New Zealand and put him at the five. Whatever it is, that's what those teams are looking at, and that's what they're using that for. And that you know, again, everyone's getting a free swing this year, so guys are getting a chance to play play or try before you buy or have a look at you know their top six or seven, and then the coach will sit down at the end. They might have been sitting down now, going right. These are the guys we're going to target to put with these top six or seven guys because next year we're going to have a real crack at the the, the proper championship. And then you've got the teams that are those individual development days where they're in year one or two and they're trying to get reps into 10 to 12 guys. And if you have a look at the stats and you break down the minutes, you can see the disparity. There's the top, top sort of four, five, six teams. Guys are playing 160 out of a possible 200 minutes at the moment. You know Their, their game time usage is really high. But then you get down to the other end and the teams are playing and it's all pretty even till you get to around sort of seven or eight. And then those kids are on around sort of 60, 50 minutes, which is still 10 minutes a game, which are meaningful minutes. So, And what they're looking at is, okay, what do we need to do for next year? Do we go and get one import? Do we go and get a Cats development player that's going to enhance what we're doing? Are we going to bring in a veteran that's been around the league for a little while? So they're looking at what do we need to do to help our young kids improve? There's no right or wrong way. No one's going to say what what um, Wanneroo and, and Sterling have done, or sorry, Warwick have done, is the wrong way because they're trying to win a championship next year. The teams like Kalamunda and Mandra and the Slammers the, and Goldfields, I'll throw them in there as well, East Perth, they're looking at what are we going to do in two years' time? Who are these kids that are going to be in our top five or six that we can then add that import and a, and a Wildcats DP or an NBL fringe player to? So there's no right or wrong way beauty of this is everyone's getting a chance to have a free hit work things out next year will be bigger and better yeah absolutely absolutely um now we want to announce something else to get our listeners back involved with us after how successful our ncaa tournament was to decide 
the ultimate SBL Championship winning team and bumped into CJ Jackson on Friday night and, oh, a couple of weeks ago and I, I informed him that his Redbacks team won and he was he was over the moon. He was, he couldn't have been prouder that the team he was part of was named the the greatest SBL Championship winning team. So nice to know that the people are people are taking what we're doing seriously here. So that's why next week we want to come back and and we want to get some feedback from our fans. So we want to. Most teams will be around the halfway mark of the West Coast Classic season. So what we want to do is we'll predict who we think from here will be the champions, who is the MVP winner, the most improved player, the coach of the year, and also name our All-Star 5 of the West Coast Classic so far and our next-gen All-Star 5 as well. So like we said, this is a lot of this competition is about the younger players, so we do want to highlight those. So we'll put that out to our listeners during the week. We want, to, we want to get your feedback. We want to hear your predictions and we will come back next week and not only let you know what we think, but also we'll let the world know what, what our listeners are thinking as well. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a really great idea. We'll have a, a pretty good sample size of the, um, the WCC next week. Most teams will have played around that five, six, seven games. Um, so it's technically we're sort of halfway through. Um, and already some people are starting to you know, put their hand up and, and draw some attention, whether that's a Jackson Hussey or a Shaq Maharaj or you know someone like a Justin King who's always around the mark and, and delivering in those MVP-type uh, conversations or a Corey Sherwell or a uh, you know, yeah. Banyok Malak up at, um, up at, up at uh, Goldfields there to, you know, as a most improved sort of player. So, yeah, really excited to see what the people come up with and um, I'm sure we'll sit down and, and have a chat and, and, and work our way through it as well and, and yeah give everyone a, a little bit of a mid-season review. Just an update on our tips now, three rounds in, Ben. It was nine to six again last week in my favour, so the gap's out to ten now between us. You still feeling confident? Well, I'll never say never. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll always keep fighting to the very end, as, as people know, and like I say, I've got a few little ones up my sleeve that I think I'll bring out. Um, just got to peg you back one or two each week, so um probably you know if the boys can pick it up again this weekend it might help me a little bit but yeah look yep they are what they are it's, it's it is hard to tip when people are in and out and so on and so forth but yeah they you certainly certainly do have a decent lead there but not unsurmountable <laughs> okay now i've got a two-pronged question before we wrap up this first segment because something else has just sprung, sprung to mind that i do want to make sure i sneak in for this week as well ben so first of all I had a chat with CJ Jackson this week, and I'm going to be doing an article up on on the SBL website about it because it's something he's very passionate about. Do you do you see any reason in the world why, in the next one, two, three, however many years it is, we couldn't see a head coach in the SBL and looking beyond that into, I guess, the NBL, who is who is a female? Is, do you see anything stopping it? Why does the development in that path seem to be a little bit slower than we might like it to be? Uh, that's a that's a, a good question, and um, it's something that I know. If you look at a lot of the NBA NBA benches now, there is yeah. definitely always a, uh, a a female assistant coach bringing um, Spurs, a different yeah. eye on the game. Spurs, I know um, the Boston Celtics just had a uh, Dawn Staley, who's now the head coach mm. at um, Duke University. She was there for for a very long time. So look, I think more than anything, it's just one of those one of those breakdowns that we that we've had, and it has you know the Essentially, it's been left to um, you know men to to coach men, and and probably not so much. You know, a lot of guys do coach in in the women's league. But look, I don't know what the reason is. Um, definitely, you know, I'm sitting here right now watching a WNBA game, uh, the Washington Mystics versus the Minnesota 
um, team and I'm, I'm picking the, the brains out of that one and writing down plays and, and different things from that. So the game itself is not you know, that dissimilar. Um, again, you, you always take out the athleticism of the NBA. 95% of those guys can do things that none of us can do. So, you know, a lot of stuff that they run and do doesn't translate. Um, so watching those sort of, you know, Euro League and um, women's NBA, a lot of the stuff that they do offensively and defensively really fit our style of play. Um, and, you know, there's, there's some some amazing uh, female coaches out there. And I was very lucky to have someone like Jan Sterling as a mentor of mine for a long time. Um, and, you know, the way that she managed athletes and the way she managed the game was was phenomenal. So, yeah, look, I can't see any reason why not. Um, I'm not sure if many teams do have a depth chart that, that includes, um, you know, female coaches on there, which, again, makes me start to think that maybe that's something that that club should have and, and those mm-hmm. pathways, it shouldn't just be a, a male-dominated pathway that should be you know, opportunity and access for, for everyone to be involved in. Yeah, the reason we thought about it first was because during when the Redbacks played the Cougars a couple of weeks back, it was CJ thinks it's the first time where both teams had a female assistant coach. So it was it, it was just something that we both came up with where we thought, this is something that should be happening more and let's try to draw attention to it because, you know, it could be a Fleur McIntyre or, or it could be it could be any number of people. It could be, it could be Docky Black. I mean, it could be anybody, but we, we just feel like it might be just a matter of one club being brave enough to make that first appointment and it could break down all of those barriers moving forward. Yeah, and that's the scary thing. Change is a scary thing and someone's yeah. always got to be first. So, um, you know, yeah, hopefully someone someone does listen and, and, and that we see that in the not-too-distant future. Now, the second one, just quickly, Vince Kelly joined us on the women's SBL shoot-around this weekend. He made it very clear that he would love to be able to coach in the SBL again one day, um, whether it's a, whether it's at a women's club where he would love to coach his daughter, obviously Desiree, or back in the men's competition. Do you see any reason why he couldn't do it? I 100% think Vince could coach. Um, you know, he did it for a long time as a player coach. And if you yep. you sort of speak to the guys that have done that, like like CJ, mm-hmm. like Jeff Anderson, they've sort of found that not having to play really opened up the game to them and they brought that wealth of, of knowledge that they'd, they'd got from their playing days and were able to impart that through their, their um, coaching days. So, yeah, look, Vince is a guy that's played at a very, very high level, uh, played all around the world, and he's played – again, in different competitions and, and had different things that he's had to do to, to get through and been very successful as a player. Um, you know, he's got a, a player-coach championship there with the Wolves, so I couldn't see any reason why someone like Vince couldn't be a, a very, very good addition to a um, to a women's or a men's SBL team. Well, after after sitting down next to him for a little while the other night, I certainly wouldn't want to be the person to say no to him. He's still a, a very intimidating young man. Okay, very good. Thanks for that, Ben. And when we come back, we'll go through all of the results from round three in the West Coast Classic. Okay, back on SBR Shoot Around, and it was a, a fascinating round three of the West Coast Classic. So plenty for us to dissect in these results, Ben. Starting on Friday night, the game you were involved in up at HBF Arena. In the end, it was the Joondalup Wolves beating the Calamundra Eastern Suns 80-76. Yeah, look, it was essentially a tale of, I'd say, three halves, if you will. Um, Mm. We kind of had the handle on it that first half. Um, Third quarter, they came out and gave us a lesson in basketball, and I think we were down by 18. And then um, to get it back to, you know, like I said, having those uh, opportunities to, um, to go ahead and then 
um, eventually coming up short. Um, I think 18 points down in a, in a fourth quarter is not a bad bad effort for um, for the boys. And again, really good to be around the, the old guys up there from the Wolves and, and great to see um, Blanchett, Aylett and, and Brennan Donato really starting to come into their own, own against some quality competition. And you have a look at the people who stood up for the Wolves and it was it was Cummings, Iliadis, Huntington, Maxwell, Robertson, Salinas. Um, that's a, that's an yeah, yeah. level top six, isn't it? Oh, well, uh, as I said to our guys after the game, um, there's five Wolves guys there that have played in five straight uh, SBL Grand Finals, and Lee Roberts has won one, and Lockie Cummings has won one. So seven, seven or eight uh, SBL Grand Finals of experience against guys who just made the playoffs for the first time since 2012. Um, mm-hmm. Hell of an effort after sort of where we'd been the, the couple of weeks before. Now, game I was at on Friday, Perth Redbacks in '95 beat the East Perth Eagles 78 and. And Caleb White was the difference. Sometimes you get an import who comes in and scores a lot of points based on taking a lot of shots, but but Caleb didn't do that. He he was just really efficient. He he sat in the corner most of the night and then just waited for Joel Wagner to find him and knocked down nine threes, forty two points, and and he was the difference against a pretty gritty gritty East Perth team. And that's exactly what I was talking about at the start. Someone like CJ is sitting there and he's going, if I can put. A, uh, a a pass first sort of point guard and a uh, and a big at the other end and have Caleb White as my third string in offense. That's pretty potent. So uh, yeah, that's what he can do. I think he that's the kind of way he played last year at uh, Flames. Mm. Um, so I think he might be finding himself a home there. And CJ's getting a good chance to look at what he can put around him so that he can complement the guys he brings in for next year. Um, really great to see Joel Offerings. Um, you know, yeah. he rolled his ankle against us in the in week one, but you know, seven points, nine rebounds, five assists, five steals. That's the sort of thing that we used to see Joel doing in in D League and Division One. And you know, good to see him getting some minutes and, and being able to produce at the SBL level. Absolutely. In the last game on Friday night, the overtime thriller, Perry Lakes Hawks got over the line at Willardton Basketball Stadium, ninety six to ninety four over the Willardton Tigers. Yeah, I watched this game today, actually. Really keen to have a look at that new um, Wilton Basketball Stadium. It was the first mm-hmm. time I've seen it um, sort of in, in as the whole court. Um, you know, great game from, from beginning to end. Um, big charge taken by the um, Hampson boy um, mm-hmm. towards the end of the game as well. That's always good to see you know, guys putting their body on the line and, and that sort of thing. And then, you know, Damien Scott, as we know, ready ready to take the big shots and a little bit of miscommunication on a on a down screen there, and he's wide open on the three point line, and and he delivers in the uh, in the clutch, and then um, yeah, the Hawks just a little bit too too strong at the end to um to to get the win by two points. Now Lewis Thomas didn't quite will the Tigers to the victory, but you called him out last week as saying he could potentially be the difference in this game, and he almost was twenty two points, sixteen rebounds, seven assists, three block shots. Yeah, all round for Lewis, like he's a. At this level, um, he is a, uh, a quality player. Very reminds me very much of Greg Hire in his attack on the boards and, and the way he just plays hard and can defend multiple positions. You'd, you'd feel confident with him guarding anyone from a two to a five in this league. So, yeah, very handy pickup for the Tigers if they can um, keep him around for next year as well. They've got mm-hmm. um, got a good core and some good kids coming through as well. Connor Mitchelton, um, not a big mm-hmm. performer in this one, but still got a lot of time for that kid. And first up on Saturday... Coburn Cougars got their first win on the board and they gave the Lakeside Lightning their first loss, 85-81, to 81, and it was Gavin Field, Luke Travers, Jared Holmes, their big three that all, all got the job done. Yeah, and if you look at Luke Travers' stat line there, that's about what you'd reckon he should be doing in the SBL. Um, 20 points, 16 rebounds and six assists. Again, watch this game pretty closely. 
Um, and then on the other side, Corey Sherwell for me was outstanding. Um, mm-hmm. Sort of got the the Cougars got to jump on them early, and then Sherwell hit three three threes in a row pretty much, and 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 turned the game back into a into a ball game. And um, I guess we sort of see the difference of having a, a Gavin Field and a cool head like Luke Travers down the stretch, uh, sort of paid dividends for the Cougars. Yeah, and I think at least a couple of alley-oop passes from Gavin Field to Luke Travis, which which is showing that their chemistry is building quite quite nicely already. Yeah, very formidable front court, if you if you will, as they as they move forward. And again, um, Andrew Cooper's getting a chance to have a look at. I think you know this year's edition of someone like uh, JT Harris, who's kind of a combo four five, could stretch mm. the floor and and play big. Would have really really complimented these two. Um, given them that, that outside sort of inside outside game that, that they both have um, would have been a very very different look Then the big game of the round we thought this might be a grand final preview it still might be the Warwick Senators though they handed the Junior Light Wolves their first loss of the West Coast Classic the Senators got up 88 to 76 yeah and look some really good results in, uh, and performance in this one but a, a very big out for the, uh, for the Wolves Robbie Huntington didn't mm. play um, had a had a previous engagement on and look, Robbie's that intangible guy. He when he first started in the SBL, he was about 17, 18 points a game, and just a classic example of a guy that does whatever his team needs for him to win. And and those points production might be where it uh, or not where it was at the start. Um, Robbie's defense and the way he uh, gets other people open in offense really really makes the job easier for the Trayans and the the Lockie Cummings and the mm-hmm. Seb Salinas. So I think um, as much as yeah. Good job to the to the Senators. Uh, missing a very big piece, of, big piece of the puzzle there for the Wolves. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's he's been one of the great underrated players of the of the SBL for, for his whole career. So nice to see that his 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 old coach doesn't doesn't underrate him for sure. Which 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 is which is why we go to the coaches for the for their expert analysis. Next up, East Perth Eagles. They got a win on the board. And they've been fighting hard, so they deserve this. But the Slammers made made them earn it. Eighty two to sixty nine win for for East Perth, and 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 Shaq Maharaj, he is he is just thriving on the opportunity that he's getting in this West Coast Classic. Yeah, I think it's a, again a classic example of a guy that's being thrown into a position where, you know, from day one, he's the man on the team, and he's he's grabbing it with both hands and he's delivering. Um, and again. Absolutely great to see Joel Offerings almost a double double again, eleven point seven rebounds. Um, that kid's again, he's someone that sat behind Robbie Huntington for a few years and he's learnt how to play the game and and do those intangible things that help your teams get a victory like Robbie does. Logan Thwaites is another one who's been been deep on the bench at the Sanders for a long time, but he's really showing what he can do as, as a big in in this league too. Yeah, and look, there's no no. Um, greater opportunity than he's been given at the moment. I mean, he's, he, uh, he left the Wolves because he was sitting behind uh, a guy like Robbie Huntington and uh, Joel Offerings and and those guys and went to Sterling. And then next thing, Caleb Davis and you know, Rob Ann Schiller turn up and Cody Ellis is sort of sliding between the three and the floor, four. So he's sort of been in a bit of limbo there. But um, given opportunities, he's, he's certainly delivering for Luke Coburn. Then the game decided on the buzzer by Marshall Nelson. The Perth Redbacks 86 beat the Geraldton Buccaneers 86 to 85. Look at Marshall Nelson, 37 points. But Aaron Ralph for the second straight game, 30 30 points. He gave he gave the Bucks a chance, especially with a with a big big start to the game. Yeah, look, I guess you know for the for the Bucks, uh, it's one of those things when things tend to go wrong. They they go wrong in threes. Um, mm. So losing Liam last weekend and then 
having to back up and play the Wolves the next day and then back down here again mm-hmm. um, Friday night or Saturday night, lose on the buzzer. Um, you know, just not going great, but to their credit, they're fighting out, fighting games out to the very end and, and Ralphie's going out there giving people the biggest swing he can and, and, and delivering. Mm. Then up in Kalgoorlie, this was a tough game to, to tip when we talked about it last week and it turned out to be a pretty good game. But again, the Twin Towers for the Goldfields Giants were too much for, for Rockingham and then the Giants 82 beat the Flames 69. As I said, it's going to be a tale of two different lineups. Uh, yep. The Twin Towers up there, uh, 24 points and 21 points respectively, and then 25 rebounds between the two of them mm. versus the front, uh, the backcourt of Godfrey Dernan and, and Jackson Hussey. So uh, in the, at the end of the day, the, the Twin Towers got the chocolates. Absolutely. Um, now, I was at this game as well at Bendat. Perry Lakes Hawks, just too much firepower, too much experience in the end for a very young Mandurah Magic team, which we'll talk to Aaron Traher about shortly. But... The Hawks too strong, 89 over the Magic, 57. Yeah, and a kid that I know Luke Brennan is a very big fan of in Matt Leary, um, yeah. 6 of 11, three-pointers point, there. Um, good to see him back and and uh, playing in the league. And I think Tom Atkinson may be found uh, the, the offensive going a little bit tough against the Ben Purser, um, but still 15 rebounds and four assists is a, is a great return for his time. Then last up, your... Your long-awaited first win as part of the Calamundra Eastern Suns. You had to do it tough. The Bucks made you earn it, but in the end, a really good second half from from your team, and you you got the win, eighty-five to seventy-five. Yeah, and really proud of the boys and Mark and, and you know and Nigel and, and Lockie, the the other assistant coaches, and how we've stuck to the process. And it's never been about the, the winning; it's been about improving. And if we can improve and get a win, then that's what we're about. And um, yeah, proud of the boys and, and the way Mark stuck to the process and their belief that they have in him. And again, we're, we're looking at who's going to be there for next year when, when we add a couple of extra pieces and you know hopefully they can build on the 2019 success and um, this has given us a really good chance to do that. I think it was your first time to see Jesse Hunt in person play. He had a big game, 26 points and eight rebounds. Unfortunately, that'll be his last game for the Bucks during this West Coast Classic. But what did, what did you make of him? Just a hard worker. Uh, yeah. He's probably a little bit more like Dan than what Liam is in the fact that he, he's a bit more perimeter and that was sort of Dan's game was a bit of a face-up. But definitely you can see why um, he's you know forging a career for himself in Europe and and he's on the on the list you know the list of a few NBL teams as that sort of you know twelfth thirteenth guy. He's a quality player and, and played hard and definitely someone that I'll be you know clipping out all his stuff that he did and, and showing it to our sort of threes and fours as to. This is how you play the game properly, and this is what you need to do uh, to, to succeed at that next level. Okay, that's the round three results. Just very quickly, I'll run through the standings after three rounds of the West Coast Classic. And just re- re- reminding everyone that it's a top four that goes through to the finals. So spots in that top four are pretty tough to come by. So first up, Perry Lakes Hawks are five and one, the Junior Light Wolves four and one, Warwick Senators three and one, Lakeside Lightning three and one. Then just outside, Rockingham Flames three and one. Perth Redbacks four and two, Willard and Tigers two and two, Goldfields Giants two and two, East Perth Eagles two and three. Then we've got Coburn Cougars one and three, Southwest Slammers one and three, Calamundra Eastern Suns one and four, Mandurah Magic one and four, and the Geraldton Buccaneers after all six games on the road are one and five. What do you make of the tables so far? As you said, if you sort of took a uh, took a line and sort of drew it underneath about where the Redbacks are sitting, um, mm-hmm. you've sort of got 
um, those those sort of six teams above them that are probably looking at where they're going to be next year and being in that top four. Uh, you know, if you look at what even down to the Redbacks, as we said, you know, Caleb Davis, you know, probably won't have Marshall Nelson there next year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so they're looking at what they're going to be doing and, and making a, a tilt for next year. And then, you know, from the golf was giants down, it, it's it's about those individual development. They're probably in year one or two of their development plan. I mean, East Perth have got a new coach. Coburn have a new coach. Southwest have a new coach. Um, you know, that's where those guys are at. Um, so yeah, look, you know, as you said all along, those those big four at the top, um, Flames are probably the one that have stepped it up on the the back of Jackson Hussey, um, and then the Redbacks a little bit hit and miss, as we said, those two losses were probably a bit uncharacteristic for them, um, but yeah, that's probably what I would take out of that. Hmm. Okay, that wraps up the weekend that was in the West Coast Classic. When we come back, we'll speak to the four hundred plus game NBL veteran, the Mandurah Magic head coach, Aaron Traher. Okay, back here on SBR Shoot Around and really looking forward to, to our guest for this week, Ben. And he's a man who's underappreciated, like we talked about earlier in the show, in WA basketball and Australian basketball for what he's done. You don't play 422 games in the NBL by accident. He put together a tremendous career. He's a championship winner. And now he's he's doing the hard yards as a coach because it hasn't been easier, easy for him down in Mandra, but he's putting in the hard work to try to develop something for the future. And you can see what he's trying to build. You can see how hard it is because it's hard to keep players year after year to continue that development. But he's certainly on the right path. So I hope it, I hope for his sake and for the club's sake that it, it ends up being a success in, in the long haul. But, but for now, Aaron, how do we find you this afternoon? Uh, very good. Thanks, fellas. And uh, no, nice to be on board and having a chat. We'll start with what's happening in the Magic right now. Um, what are you made of the first three weeks of this West Coast Classic? Obviously, there's been some great highlights, and you only have to look at Josh Hunt and Tom Atkinson to to, to pick out two of those. And Aaron Kering is another one. So you're seeing you're seeing some some young players really grabbing grabbing their chances by by the throat. Yeah, absolutely. I think that uh, you know that was, I guess, the, uh, the main thing for this West Coast Classic was it was going to give the opportunity even more so to uh, some of these guys. That uh, truth be told, if uh, had it been a normal SBL season, uh, probably wouldn't have got the opportunity that they're getting at the moment. Uh, so I guess from uh, you know a long term point of view, it was always nice, and uh, you're always hoping that you'll find one or two guys that uh, will put their hand up and you know. Just, just basically get better a lot quicker just from the experience and uh, sort of as you touched on with a few of the guys you uh, just mentioned that uh, you know they've should, certainly shown some glimpses of what they're capable of and now so I guess my job and uh, the rest of the coaching staff to just try to get them to be consistent with that so uh, mm-hmm. that's always the challenge with young ones to uh, yeah, get that consistency and uh, there's certainly some ups and downs which uh, you know makes the, the beard a lot greyer by the week but uh, it's certainly a nice challenge and uh, you know it's hopefully like you said we uh, do get a little bit of reward for uh, the effort down the track. G'day, Aaron. It's, uh, it's Ben here. Just, you know, just sort of now trolling back through the um, through the illustrious career that, that Aaron Traher has had. And, um, I, I've spoken about before that uh, you know I, I watched you play at Perry Lakes in an under sixteen nationals um, over here, and um, just toweling up people at that stage. And you know, very early on. Um, you were identified as someone that was going to be, you know, uh, on the radar of, of, you know, NBL teams and, and Boomers teams, and you know the, the expectations that that were there. Um, how did you manage those as a as a young guy coming through those those junior stages of your, you know, your, your state teams and then into the AIS? 
Yeah, look, I, I sort of went through, I guess, the, the stereotypical path, um, you know, playing state um, pretty much every year. And um, as you touched on, was sort of, uh, you know, looked on pretty highly early on in my career. And uh, as far as expectations that I ever put on myself, um, you know, there wasn't a great deal, truth be told. I mean, I sort of didn't really think about that sort of stuff too much. I just sort of, especially as a young fella, just went out there and played and, you uh, just because I loved it and, uh, you know, I had a really good junior career and, uh, you know, I got to experience uh, a lot of highs uh, during those times and, uh, you know, got to travel the world and all those things. So, uh, you know, at, at that stage of my life in the juniors, uh, yeah, life, life was pretty sweet and, uh, you know, yeah, really enjoyable at the time. And was it, was the game something that came easy to you or was it something that you really had to sort of apply, apply yourself to it and, and, you know, you're you're working on different things, or was it, you know, just something that the, the ball hit your hand, and you know, you started to, to to do things that other people couldn't do. Yeah, oh, look, it's probably a combination. I think, you know, I'd be lying if I said I naturally, um, you know, wasn't good at it. I think that, uh, you know, both my parents played at a pretty high level, so um, there was sort of certainly some genetics there that uh, certainly put me uh, a step ahead uh, from a young age, but. Uh, you know, I still put in a fair bit of hard work behind the scenes. My dad was, uh, you know, always uh, taking me down to the court and getting shots up and whatnot. And, uh, you know, he, he was instrumental in uh, my development as a young fella. So, uh, yeah, he, he, he really pushed me in regards to just uh, giving me opportunities. And I always say to a lot of people that I think the biggest thing for me personally with my development at such a young age was that I got exposed to senior basketball from basically 14 years old and mm. you know right. truth be told I got the shit kicked out of me but um, you know <laughs> playing with the Braves in uh, Bendigo there with uh, you know the, the Siebel team at the time um, really did uh, fast track my growth as a, as a young fella in uh, just just dealing with playing against men so uh, you know I always say that that certainly uh, fast track my development at a young age. And was there any sort of player growing up that you kind of looked at as, you know, that was the sort of player that you wanted to be, like that you were trying to emulate them, or was you were just sort of playing playing to the beat of your own drum? Yeah, look, I was a pretty cocky young fella, so I sort of was <laughs> certainly uh, trying to beat my own drum, so to speak, and uh, just trying to, uh, yeah, just sort of be many, really. I mean, I've always been a, a reasonably laid-back cat, I suppose it's fair to say, and uh you know, I sort of, you know, like anything, you always watched a lot of basketball as a kid and uh, I sort of used to, uh, you know, again, Dad was really good taking me down to a lot of uh, Coburg Giants NBL games back in the good old days when uh, they played down in Coburg there because it was sort of the closest place to uh, Sunbury at the time uh, growing up. So, um, you know, I just watched pretty much anyone and everyone and uh, if something looked cool, I guess, as a young fella, you sort of wanted to copy that and uh, try and uh, somehow get it into your game. And how have you sort of sorry? I was going to say. So how have you sort of found that transition <laughs> from yeah you your your playing to now that you know, you're actually trying to get other guys to do what you sort of found you know, relatively easy, which is not putting a too lot of spin on it. You, as you say, you still had to work hard, but you know, how how is that? Especially given uh, you know, I guess the Bucks was kind of you know, pretty successful, and then now at Mandra where it's pretty much a, a development time with those kids. Yeah, look, I always thought that, uh, you know, once I decided to, you know, give, give the coaching side of things a go and uh, the Geraldton opportunity came along, um, you know, from a personal point of view, I always thought it was going to be a, uh, 
you know, a, a good sort of introduction because, uh, you know, look, truth be told that, uh, you know, they had a pretty talented team and uh, whether I could or couldn't coach at all, um, you know, we were going to win games of basketball. So, um, you know, for me, it was a good introduction. I learned a heck of a lot that year uh, in regards to just people management and uh, things like that. Uh, and then obviously on the flip side, uh, when I went back down to Mandra, um you know, it was basically the polar opposite where we were just basically, you know, young kids. Um, and as you touched on, trying to get them to what I consider playing the right way, again, was a really steep learning curve because uh, as you touched on, sort of, I would naturally sort of read the game pretty well. I always thought that was one of my strengths as a player. And uh, to try and uh, teach that to uh, somebody else uh, certainly has its challenges. And it's always something I say to the assistant coaches that I have now that, uh, you know, how do you, how do you teach that? You know, it's something that uh, we see, you know, I see in particular during a game. And how do you try and, uh, you know, sort of show these uh, kids, you know, the, the different things that they're probably not seeing um, within the games and within plays and things like that. So, uh, you know, you really got to break things down and uh, get back to basics. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things also that, uh, you know, you get to this stage as a coach. And I probably took a lot of things for granted that some of these kids should naturally know at this stage. And uh, without picking on them too much, you know, they just they just didn't. And uh, you know, yep. it's not their fault. They've just never really been taught that as a young kid. And uh, again, going back to myself, I think that's why I was fortunate because, uh, you know, I did get taught the right way at a young age. Yeah, one of the things I say to our guys at the moment is uh, you don't know what you don't know. So don't take it that I'm trying to show you something that I think, you know, you're getting wrong. You just haven't been taught how to do this yet. And I think having that mindset helps a little bit. You know, you've got to almost put yourself in their shoes and think, how would I feel if uh, a coach is telling me I'm going to defend this way when I've done it for you know, 10 years the other way because all through wobble or domestic comp, you know, the coaches basically haven't really taught me how to do it properly. So, but again, that's another one for me is like, you know, throughout your career, you've had, you know, some of the biggest names in the sport as your coach, guys like Adrian Hurley and, and Brett Brown. Who was the, the ones that really had that impact on you that sort of got the best out of you and, and the ones that maybe sort of had those those stern words for the, the, the laid-back country kid when he, they probably wasn't getting the most out of you that they thought they could. Yeah, look, like you said, look, really lucky to have Brett Brown um, there when I was in Sydney. And, uh, you know, he, he, he was a real players coach and that's probably why most guys that have ever played under him, you know, love playing under him because, uh, you know, he, he pretty much gave you uh, a free reign. And uh, there wasn't a shot that uh, I know that, uh, that I took that he was always like, you know, he had this, this saying that he sort of always I laugh at even even to this day that is like, okay why not you know, <laughs> and it could have been the worst shot you've ever seen but uh, you know he, he just instilled a lot of confidence and uh, let you play and he, he was fantastic and uh, I learned a heck of a lot under him and uh, you touched on Adrian who um, you know he, he was really good and um, probably a little bit more disciplined in regards to you know doing things a certain way but uh, probably the one guy that. Uh, uh, had the biggest influence on my career and uh, we had a bit of a love-hate relationship throughout uh, you know, his coaching career and my playing career because early on he was uh, the head coach at the Institute of Sport for my second year there and uh, truth be told, we probably couldn't stand each other back then. I was a you know cocky kid that uh, probably thought he knew a little bit more than I did and uh, he was sort of just coming into the coaching side of things and that was Gordy McLeod. And uh, he, okay. he was a pretty he was a pretty tough ass um, early on, and he certainly mellowed out uh, as his coaching career went on. And so later on in my career, uh, you know, I had him at West Sydney for a few years, and also the year up in Singapore that I played. And uh, mm. you know, he he was fantastic. And uh, you know, by the end of the career, you know, we got along really really well. And uh, I thought I played uh, you know some of my best basketball under him. And uh, you know, he just sort of 
you knew what made me tick, I guess. It's sort of pretty hard to, uh, you know, say exactly uh, why it worked. But, um, you know, he, he just had a way and we sort of, uh, after some rocky beginnings, had, uh, you know, pretty success, to, um, you know, a fair bit of success together, I thought. Before you got into the into the NBL, and you and like you said, you had those couple of years at the institute. Did you have a decision to make to go to college or to go straight into the NBL, or was it always going to be straight into the NBL for for, for you? Oh, look. Truth be told, uh, I never really considered going to college. Um, okay. It's funny that sort of back then. Um, you know, we sort of did you show my age here? We're sort of looking at uh, <laughs> early nineties, but uh, it wasn't really the the, the the cool thing to do. Uh, most of the the better young fellas, um, you know, we we sort of just went from juniors straight into the NBL. Um, you know, talking about like Sam McKinnon, Simon Dwight, sort of that that era that uh, we all grew up together in. Um, you know, and we all had the opportunity to go to college, um, and it's some, some pretty big colleges that um, sort of sniffed around as well. But uh, I guess uh, being a country fella and. Uh, you know, I certainly never grew up without, but uh, at the same time, you know, we, we were just a pretty normal normal family. Um, and, you know, like I touched on earlier, grew up in Sunbury and uh, moved to Bendigo for a few years, but mum and dad are born and bred from Bendigo. But I, I guess the, uh, the the dollars there when a, when an offer gets put on the table at 17, uh, it was pretty mm-hmm. hard to knock back. Now, that offer came from Perth. How, who, who was it that recruited you to the Wildcats and what was it like walking in for that first time when there's Grace and Vlahov and Crawford and... And these type of players all, all, all there. Yeah, so my first year um, at the AIS, uh, Adrian Hurley was still the um, I can't remember his official title, but he basically oversaw the whole basketball, um, yeah, yeah, the whole program there. Um, so uh, my second year there was his first year at the Wildcats. Mm-hmm. So pretty much um, that whole year um, before that, he actually even tried to get me there the year before, but uh, Mum wouldn't let me go because she wanted me to finish <laughs> year twelve. Um, so huh. I did. I disliked mum there for a little while, but uh, <laughs> um, yeah. So I sort of started from there. So once Adrian got that job, um, yeah, he pretty much kept in contact with my whole second year at the institute, and uh, and having known him a little bit and uh, sort of dealt with him, it, it was a pretty straightforward decision. Truth be told, once um, you know the the offer came um, halfway sort of through that second year at the institute, did you settle in pretty quickly? Did you did you find? Life both in the basketball sense of the Wildcats and in Perth. Did you did you like it? Like both 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 areas? Uh, yeah. Look, I sort of could familiarise a little bit with Perth because um, being a being a country boy, that uh, you know Perth was obviously a lot bigger uh, than what I was used to. But at the same time, it, it sort of still had a bit of a country feel uh, about it. And uh, you know, it, it, I mean, <laughs> true, true, when when I did get here, um, you know, I didn't even have my driver's license, so I was only sort of <laughs> seven eight and. Uh, yep. I actually got put up at uh, Kerry Stokes's house for about the first three or four months that I moved over to Perth. So um, as far as uh, living conditions uh, were going, um, as you could imagine, that they were they were pretty, uh, yeah, yeah, pretty pretty good. Then <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, your second second year, you win a championship. Is that is is winning a championship at that level everything it's cracked up to be, or? Maybe now that it was twenty five years ago, were you too young in your career to appreciate it? How do you how do you look back on it? Yeah, I think I think it's, it's a fair comment to say that I probably didn't appreciate it um, at the time as much as I probably should have. Um, you know, I, I was fortunate back then that I'd been involved uh, with the Australian junior team 
we and we had a really uh, re- really good group that were really yeah. successful. And uh, at that same year, that sort of '95 was a pretty big year personally because we'd uh, we'd, we'd won the silver medal at the under uh, 20 world champs, won a championship that year, and I, know, I guess at the time I probably got sucked into a little bit of thinking, uh, oh, this is just how it is, you know, you, you just win. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and certainly at the time, um, yeah, didn't appreciate anywhere near as much as I probably should have and probably thought that, you know, this was going to happen every two, three years um, and probably walk out of it a bit like, um, you know, a few of the current Wildcats guys in regards to, you know, having a handful of rings on the fingers by the end of the career. But, um, yeah, certainly not that easy and, uh, yeah, certainly didn't appreciate it at the time and, Truth be told, probably didn't even appreciate uh, some of the legends that I was fortunate enough to start my career uh, playing playing with. Also, by the time you got to the Razorbacks, that was a that was a pretty exciting team and an exciting time for basketball in in Sydney. Obviously, you went pretty close there to getting another championship. What what was it like to be part of that rivalry between the 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 old pigs and and the kings at, at that time? It must have been must have been a lot of fun. Yeah, look that that year in particular that. Um, yeah, we lost the grand final um, to the Kings. Uh, it was probably one of the most enjoyable years of my life as far as um, basketball is concerned. Um, you know, we had actually had an All-Australian team that year. Uh, we, we, we went without imports. So um, uh, we, we, I got to play again with a few of those guys that I mentioned earlier in regards to that, that group um, that, that won the silver medal and um, went on to win a gold medal um, at the end of 22 World Champs a couple of years later. So, you know, Scotty McGregor, Sam McKinnon, Simon Dwight, um, you know, we all we all got the chance to play together again, which was uh, you know fantastic. And then you know we had Johnny really also in there, so obviously we had a pretty pretty talented group, and uh, hence why we were knocked on the door to win a championship without any imports. And ironically, it was the uh, we we're up two games to one, and uh, the first year went to the best of five grand final series and uh yeah it's still a bit of a bit of a bitter thing because uh yeah we coughed yeah. up a pretty considerable lead in game five of that um to, uh, yeah, losing game five so uh yeah, it would have been nice to win that but uh yeah can't change the past but uh certainly one of those things that uh yeah if you ask me what my probably the biggest disappointment thing in regards to my career was uh yeah not not finding a way to uh yeah get get one more win in that series mm. When you have a look at the different clubs that you spent spent time at, now that you reflect, is there one club that you feel a closer connection to than the others? Maybe it's maybe it's difficult because the Slingers don't exist, the Pirates don't exist, and and the Razorbacks don't exist. But you might still feel a connection to one of those clubs. Is there is there one club out of them all that you do feel the closest to? Uh <laughs> probably not. Um, I mean, mm. we'll call a spade a spade here. I probably played for seven or eight teams in the end. I can't even remember. I've, I've only got five seven. fingers on my hand. So, oh, there you go. You, you know more than me. Um, There's nothing wrong with playing for a lot of teams there. I'll just tell you that. <laughs> a man that's played for six and essentially coached three three in the last six months. So, that, don't ever feel like that's something to be held against you. Yeah, well, I used to joke around about it. Uh, it was it was the cheapest and easiest way to go and see different parts of the country. So I yeah. thought I'd uh, end up retiring afterwards. So Perth um, will always have a soft spot for me because um, that that's where I started. Um, you know, I tried to sort of come back right at the end of my career to sort of finish here as well. Um, so that, that that's always a soft spot with the, with the Wildcats, but. Um, yeah, it's funny because once I sort of stopped playing uh, NBL, I sort of uh, 
didn't really follow it or, or really, truth be told, keep in touch with too many players um, after it. So I sort of got a little bit detached from the NBL. Um, so, uh, yeah, Perth, Perth would probably be the, the closest one if there is one at all. It's an interesting story about you wanting to come back to finish your career here because if memory serves, it was you were relying on Sean Redditch's citizenship coming through so you could be signed by the Wildcats, but it didn't come through in time. Is that how it worked out that you didn't end up having one last season at the Wildcats? Oh, look, it was sort of a bit of a weird situation because um, I was actually going to go back up to Singapore for one more year um, and they weren't sure whether they were actually going to be um, in the league anymore. And uh, so I sort of was waiting and waiting and waiting to see, uh, you know, if they were going to survive. And in the meantime, I was in Perth because... Um, yeah, I'd broken up with the, the wife at the time, so she'd moved back with my daughter. So obviously we wanted to be here to, to see the child. Um, mm. And so, yeah, and, uh, Fish, who obviously I played with in the past, was coaching yeah. Cats at the time. So, um, you know, I sort of just reached out to him in regards to uh, if I could come down and just work out. And, and just, yeah, like I said, in the interim until I knew what was going on with Singapore. And it sort of just sort of kept getting pushed back the date, the date, the date, and the season was getting closer and closer and closer, and it sort of got to the point where I uh, had to basically make a decision because uh, they were keen to get me involved, and uh, ideally, um, you know, I, I did want to go back to Singapore um, because it would have been better, you know, for, for my career because I knew if I stayed at Perth, it would have been, you know, limited opportunities because they pretty much already had their team, and, uh, you know, without being too disrespectful for Singapore or... Uh, they were a lot better, so uh, I would have played a lot more and uh, things like that. So um, it sort of got to the point where I had to make a decision and uh, when I wasn't 100% sure Singapore was going to be involved, um, you know, I still wanted to play at that stage. So, uh, yeah, I took the uh, offer from the Wildcats and as always the case, about a week later, Singapore survived and they were on board <laughs> and uh, yeah. I get the phone call and I'm sort of like, well, bloody just committed to uh, the Cats um, mm. and I didn't really want to sort of uh, turn around and say, oh, look, you know, Singapore's back. I want to go back there now. So, uh, and like I sort of touched on before, that the, the daughter was here and uh, it kind of just made sense to stay. You've mentioned, oh, sorry. I was going to just say, I was going to say, we've, we, I was going to get to it before, but we, you've mentioned that you've, um, you know, you, Brett Brown, uh, Dr. Hurley, um, Scott Fisher is someone that you've had as a coach. Where would you put uh, Mark Utley in that pantheon of uh, head coaches of Australian <laughs> basketball? And do you have any any quirks or anything that you can share about uh, the former SBL personality of the year that, that the fans might be wanting to hear? <laughs> well, we could have a, probably an entire podcast on uh, old Mutley. Um, <laughs> but uh, as far as personalities are concerned, he'd certainly be at the top of the list and there is uh, no one close to the uniqueness of Mark. Um, I remember when I first moved back to Perth after I basically retired from the NBL and, uh, you know, I didn't have a car, so I just needed a car just to get around. And uh, so I thought to myself, shit, what's the easiest way to get a car? And truth be told, I didn't really want to play anymore, but I thought the easiest way to do it is I'll just approach a couple of uh, SBL teams to see if I can ever run around. I was like, I don't want any money. I just want a car just to use while, while um, I was about halfway through the season at the time. And 
uh, you know, I, I, I approached CJ because I knew him a little bit. He was at Coburn and he was like, nah, nah, sorry, man. I was sort of thinking, oh, shit, geez, my stocks have dropped here in a hurry. Um, <laughs> and then uh, I approached Mandra because uh, I knew Adam Capehorn and his brother Ben obviously was down there and I approached them and they said, no, no, we, we, we can't fit you in. And they were 0 and 11 or something at the time. And I'm thinking, oh, Jesus. <laughs> wow, wow. Jeez, all right, Okay. It's a steep and slippery slope, this. And, uh, yeah, to cut a long story short, uh, Mark was at Rockingham at the time. And uh, so I've ended up there. And uh, about the second training session in, as can be the case in uh, SBL sometimes, we didn't have enough. We didn't have 10 at training to uh, scrimmage. And I, um, to this day, think that Mark used to tell a few of the uh, uh, the bench guys not to worry about turning up on a Thursday just so he could suit up and uh, run around in a bit of five-on-five because five. he used to rock up with the uh, ankle braces on and those short stuff leaves the ankle braces and three-quarters of the way up his calf. And uh, it looked like full-length bloody tube socks, but they were just ankle braces. And he, he'd always say, come on, Traher, you, you match up on me. And I'm sitting there you know, look out. And uh, you have this real quirk that I picked up um, very quickly was, was, A, that normally if you're a coach and you've got to fill in, you, you don't go out there and shoot the ball every bloody second possession that, that, that your team has it. So he, he misunderstood that one as a coach. But the other one was every time he would shoot the ball, uh, whilst he was talking shit to me and dribbling and spitting on me at the same time, he always looked at his feet before he shot the ball. Right. And, uh, I, I told that to him, and and that was it. He was done. He, he, he was just absolutely rattled, and it was almost like that was his tell in poker, and uh, he was never the same again because he used to talk himself up as a player. I never had the privilege you broke to the see good him play. man. But, uh, yeah, he certainly talked himself up. Now, find Did it you notice that talent in me? Well, I was more focused on the the fashion faux pas of the the black ankle braces and the and the white legs, and it sort of leads me to my next question: Are are you seeing that Mark is trying to up the fashion stakes in the West Coast Conference? And I believe that there might have been a little side bet going on between the two two coaching staffs of the Mandarin Magic and the Kalamunda Sun. Should we have got to that last game? Can you sort of fill us in on that one? Well, he, he did mention to me if we got to that last game and we were both 0-12, um, we'd, we'd have a fancy dress-up as the coaching staff. And uh, Right. He uh, we, he sounded way too um, serious. And I actually wasn't yeah, sure. He, he called all of us in for a meeting and he said, look, I want you to get started. Not that he doesn't, didn't have faith in the boys, but he goes, you just start having a look around um, for, for some fancy dress costumes. And we had no clue why. Um, and then he let let the cat out of the bag after Sunday when we got the win that we're all off the hook. So, uh, but yeah, I did did see a few people in the crowd on Friday night quite impressed with the um, the Don Johnson attire that he was sporting. Well, <laughs> I was about to say that I know he wouldn't have to look far to some fancy dress, mate. He just have to open the wardrobe because uh, I tell you what, some of the get up I've seen him in. Um, yeah, it's it's fashion sense uh, is clearly not uh, a strength of old Ali. <laughs> uh, what's it been like for you as well, Aaron? The last, well, the last what four, four, five, four years now, coaching against Ben. How did you find coaching against his his Wolves teams? Yeah, never, never, never successful. Mm. Um, you didn't get us one time. I thought you might have got us once up there in Geraldton. Oh, Geraldton, we did actually. That's right. Um, yeah, yeah that, I think that was my third game uh, coaching. 
And uh, right. that's when I, um, I thought, geez, this coaching game is pretty easy. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I think that's the only time I know that uh, uh, since since I've been down in Mandarin in particular, that um, yeah, we, we've obviously had a pretty tough time against Jindalup every time we played them. But, uh, you know, I think for, for me personally as a coach, it's always good to go up against uh, – you know, coaches and things that I, that I consider are, are better than me. And, uh, you know, you try to learn things and see what they do at particular times. And, you know, it's no different than when I was a player that, you know, I used to always love being challenged, playing against, uh, you know, bigger, better, quicker, whatever it may be, players, and uh, try to find ways that, uh, you know, you could be successful. So, you know, the coaching side of things is certainly no different. And, uh, you know, I sort of appreciate basketball probably more so these days than I, than I did back when I think I was playing um, mm. you know nationally um, which might sound a bit weird but um, you know like I sort of touched on earlier I probably took a lot of things for granted back then when I was playing and uh, the, the biggest thing that uh, that I loved about getting involved with the State League was how much these guys love it and the, their dedication uh, and what they put into it when you know majority of the guys just do it for the love of it um, you know, I really appreciated that and, uh, you know, I sort of probably learnt a lot from those guys, um, you know, early on, especially those Rocco boys I'm probably more particularly talking about that, um, you know, the, the way they went about it just because they just wanted to play together and uh, they just, they just love the game. So, uh, you know, it was a real eye-opener, the truth be told, for myself and, uh, you know, not that I've ever told those fellas because I still do keep in touch with most of those guys that, uh you know, they probably t- taught me a lot, and uh, you know, I do I do appreciate that. Even though, like I said, I haven't I haven't sort of said that to them personally. Mm. And for me, it was always when we were. Oh, sorry, I was going to say for me, whenever we were preparing for a, a team that that Aaron's been the head coach of, you know, Trigger and I both um, would tell you the same story that we we would always sort of spend a little bit of extra time just because of the way that um, you see the game and what we knew you'd be sort of explaining for your guys to do. Uh, whether or not they could go out and do it, but we always sort of had to have a plan B and a plan C because we knew you'd have a, a wrinkle or a read or you'd throw something out there that wasn't quite what you know, other people might be suspecting or or that sort of thing. So, yeah, never the talent might not have um, been on your side, but we definitely you know, knew we had our hands full going up with the, the X's and O's side of things because you were going to have them doing some stuff that yeah, was a little bit different or that, that little extra wrinkle was in there that um, you know could get them a bucket or, or get them a stop. So, um, yeah, definitely enjoy. The, uh, the encounters along the journey. Yeah, no, like I said before, it was always fun. Um, yeah, coaching against you, and uh, I, I find it very funny now that uh, I'm actually really looking forward to uh, that last game of this uh, WCC season to uh, go go up against you, you and Mark together because uh, yeah, that, that's a unique combination in my eyes right there. <laughs> um, I asked you this a couple of years back, um, and it might not have been the best time to ask you because it might have been after a big loss and. Maybe you didn't have the, the the mindset then, but I wanted to get your thoughts on now that you've spent a few years as a coach. If you see yourself wanting to be a, a career coach at that time, you maybe you weren't quite sure, but a couple of years now now on from that, do you see do you see yourself being a long term coach, whether it's remaining at the state league level or whether it's trying to move up to the NBL level? Do you see yourself coaching for the next you know five, ten, twenty years, or how, how do you feel about it? Uh, look, I, I certainly want to be involved in basketball still for, you know, the, certainly the short-term future, um, you know, whether that be four, five, six, seven years, mm-hmm. um, absolutely. Um, I, I still don't sort of have any ambitions to, to coach at the next level. Um, you know, I think that, uh, 
you know, the sort of the balance that I have um, where it's sort of obviously a couple of nights a week practice. Um, still spend a lot of time on the nights off in regards to still uh, watching film and planning and things like that. So it sort of, when you don't even want it to, it does sort of turn into a almost a, a nightly thing uh, to, some, to some extent. But, uh, you know, at, at this stage, that's certainly probably enough for me. Uh, it sort of scratches an itch to stay involved with basketball because, uh, you know, like I said earlier, I've been involved at this level of high since I've been 14. So, you know, that's 30 years of that now. So without uh, telling you my age, but, uh, you know, I'm pretty comfortable with that. And, um, you know, I'm certainly not looking at, uh, like I sort of touched on, uh, going, to the, going to the next level. But, um, you know, whether it's SBL or possibly just uh, coaching some junior teams because I, I did get involved with the state under 20 team for a couple of years you know I think I'd still like to be involved involved for uh, yeah, certainly at least the next few years What about life away from basketball obviously you touched on your daughter before and she's you know fully grown now but she's still coming to support you at as many games as she can which I'm sure you appreciate is family life and life away from basketball everything that you you want it to be? Yeah, look, that sort of things is yeah, really good at the moment. Yeah, as you, as you, I was actually talking to you, as you know, um, before the game on Saturday night, and uh, it was, sort of freaked me out a little bit because yeah, my daughter's 17 now, so she's mm. got her licence, and uh, I, I didn't even realise she was coming to the game, and uh, normally every time that uh, she's at a game, I've obviously driven her to the game, so yeah. to sort of be standing there having a chat to you, and uh, this, this, this young lady walks in and says, G'day, Dad. Um, it kind of, kind of freaked me out a little bit, and had to do the old double take thinking, uh, oh, hello. Uh, um, but, uh, yeah, look, with, with Kim now, my partner, and uh, she's got two two boys that are 10 and 12, so I sort of, uh, you know, a few years ago, never thought I'd have to uh, sort of uh, be a parent to uh, that age of uh, a child again. Mm. But, uh, again, that that's uh, something uh, unique. Uh, putting up with a couple of boys and uh, they're, they're mad sporting kids and uh, they certainly keep me on my toes. So, uh, no, look, life, life outside of basketball, um, no, really happy, really comfortable and, uh, yeah, no, all, all things uh, are going really well for myself uh, these days. No, great to hear. I haven't really got much more to ask. Before. <laughs> okay. I wanted just to get in, I wanted to get in the, the, the Utley drive and that's about it. So. <laughs> no, I wanted to... Uh... Wanted to follow up on a couple of your players right now playing in this West Coast Classic as well, Aaron. Tom Atkinson, can you tell us tell us how he ended up coming to play for you and a bit about his background because some of the numbers he's put up for somebody who's never really played meaningful SBL minutes before is is quite incredible. Yeah, look, he's a unique story, Tom. He um, he sort of approached me during the off season. Oh, look, I'll be the first to admit, um, I had no idea who he was, and. Um, you know, like like a lot of the guys that um, you know, as Bennett know that approach you in regards to trying to get an opportunity. Um, you know, I was happy to catch up and have a chat to him, and uh, I sort of did a little bit of background on him in regards to uh, you know being a Coburn Junior, and uh, you know he had actually been over in uh, the UK playing um, sort of in a second or third division over there, and uh, you know he, he just wanted an opportunity to come back and you know, basically play some minutes and, uh, you know, he, he, he just loves basketball these days and, uh, you know, he, he's, he was a half-decent junior from all reports and then sort of gave it away and, of all things, he apparently took up darts mm. and uh, he's one of those kids that uh, when he when he commits to something, he, he commits fully and uh, apparently he was, oh, I mean, I don't know how true this is, he had, he had a couple of beers after he told me this, but he reckons he was ranked top 10 uh, in the country for darts there when he had a crack wow. at that. And then uh, for whatever reason, uh, he just wanted to get back involved in basketball. So, uh, 
just through a couple of his mates, they sort of mentioned him and we had the chat and uh, he'd send me film and game after game and to the point where I'm thinking, gee, he's, he's keen as mustard, this kid, and, you know, sending messages left, right and centre. And uh, so we got him on board and uh, even, even before the season started, I still didn't really know uh, what I was going to get. Um, but the biggest thing with him, he... He just goes hard, you know. He just gets out there and just competes, and uh, you know he works on his game on a daily basis. And uh, you know, even week to week since he's been back, you can just see him improve. Um, you know, he just wants to learn, and uh, he's a little bit of uh, you know he's got his head chopped off at times, and probably goes a little bit too hard. So we, you know, we're trying to harness that, and you know, just really trying to teach him the game because uh, mm. sort of you know, like I touched on earlier about that's uh, not something naturally that comes to him, but he's willing to learn and listen, and uh, you know, he really tries to go out there and implement a few little bits and pieces that I try to help him with, and uh, you know, his stats probably speak for himself in regards to uh, his steep improvement and just just the work ethic he has when he's out there on the court. Aaron Kering's the other one yeah, I wanted to ask you about. Certainly delivering for you. Yeah, he is, absolutely. Aaron, Like I said, Aaron Kering's the other one I wanted to ask about because he, he's he been around you, around the mark for a couple of years, but, gee, he, he's got all the tools as a as a, as a centre in this league where you can build, build your team around him in a lot of ways if you get that 100% commitment from him because at both ends of the floor he can, he can pretty much, pretty much do, do it all for you. Yeah, look, Aaron's a, a really interesting thing. He, 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 it was funny as a young fella, he was actually built like I am now. So he, um, he, he was a big boy, and uh, he's lost a lot of weight. And um, he actually um, had hip surgery probably eighteen months ago, so he didn't play for about uh, a year or two. Um, but yeah, look, since he's come back, um, you know, he, he loves basketball. He, he's a real laid back cat. Uh, I mean, I thought I was a laid back guy, but he he takes it to a whole different level. <laughs> but um, but but in there, there, there's a real drive, and there's a real um, you know, there's a there's there's something in there that uh, when he gets a little bit ticked off, he he does some things that um, even every now and then I sort of look at him going, oh wow, I didn't I didn't know you had that in you. Um, yep. And then, like even Saturday night, we 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 didn't have our best performance as a team, but he he certainly had a good game, and he he, uh, he he's long, he's he's deceptively athletic, and his mid range game is he's got fantastic touch for for a big fella, and uh, blocked a um, shot too. Yeah, look, he he just gets after it. I mean, he he's never going to be that sort of you know outward real fiery sort of guy. Um, he's always got that sort of poker face when he plays, but. Um, yeah, like all the young guys, it's just about consistency with him, and uh, you know he's a bit up and down in, in that space, and uh, he's certainly heading in the right direction. But um, like his good is very, very good, and uh, you know we just got to try and uh, find ways to uh, get out of get that out of him more consistently. Uh, he's actually a really exciting kid going forward. Um, you yeah. know, he's still only mid mid twenties, and uh, he's missed a lot of basketball, so he's sort of a young mid twenties. So uh, you know, if he if he wants to, he, he could be something special. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, last one from me because you talked before about how before you got to the NBL you were you were pretty cocky, you were pretty you were pretty happy about about yourself and your basketball abilities. Then when you fast forward fourteen years, I mean I would find it amazing if you say that you weren't, but how proud are you that you got to have the NBL career that you did because it I mean, it's most of us could only dream about Doing what you did in the fourteen years in between, but how do you reflect back on it? Yeah, look, it's funny because when I stopped playing, um, I didn't even give it a second thought. Um, mm. You know, I mean, I, I 
you know, I'm not bagging anyone here, but you know, I never even asked for a, you know, a bloody, uh, you know, tell tell the media or tell anyone that I'm going to retire mm-hmm. and you know have, have anything like that. I just sort of just slipped away in the night, and mm-hmm. you know that that was it. And you know, I was quite comfortable to do that. Um, but it, yeah, look, certainly the last couple of years. Um, you know, it's funny because my daughter sort of brings it up every now and then, and, and probably more so even, even you know, the, the my stepsons now. Um, you know, they're, 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 like I said, they love their sports, so they're always talking about basketball, asking about this and that. And uh, you know, when, when I do look back on it, um, you know, on face value, it's a pre- pretty good career. Uh, you know, there was. You know, everyone's all about the stats these days, but um, you know, even statistically, you know, it's a pretty good career. It was longevity. Um, you know, uh, I had a sort of bad back since I was about 15, and was told I'd probably never play seriously again after that. So mm. I found a way to uh, manage that, and you know, eke out a pretty solid career. So, uh, oh look, you know, uh, I'd never say that I've. I was proud of myself, but um, you know, deep down, um, you know, I'm I'm pretty comfortable with my career and uh, how it ended up. Um, despite um, you know, I get fairly bagged a bit, um, you know, about what I should have could have been, but um, you know, it is what it is, and uh, you know, I'm very comfortable with what I uh, achieved uh, throughout my basketball career. No, you absolutely should be more than proud of of what you achieved in in my eyes. Yeah, and I, I look, I sit here and I think it's again phenomenal that we've got someone like Aaron Traher who's in our league coaching and helping WA basketball get better, not only at a um, at an SBL level, but as you said, you've jumped on board with a couple of state teams, um, probably will end up coaching your, your little boys down the track a little bit. Um, you know, that for, for me is phenomenal that we've got quality guys and quality players and quality coaches that are willing to give back um, to the game that's obviously given them a lot um, and it's just going to make our league so much better um, in, you know, five, ten years' time. Yeah, look, I appreciate those words and, uh, yeah, you touched on it in regards. So, you know, I think it's in my DNA, basketball, and uh, the, the game was great for me and, uh, you know, any, any little bit I can give back, um, you know, probably more so than ever, I'm really happy to do and willing to do. So, um, yeah, who knows what the future will hold, but, um, you know, really excited about, um, you know, Mandra and, uh, you know, myself in the coaching side of things going forward. No, I think that's a good way to wrap it up. So you've been very generous with your time, Aaron. So thanks very much for joining us here on SBR Shoot Around. It's it's always great to catch up with you, but it's even it's even better to catch up with you in this forum where I guess the things that we would normally talk about, where it's only between you and me. All of our listeners can get some insight into into how you look back on your basketball journey as well, because it, there's so much to be proud of, and and you continue to to do a lot of great work. So thanks very much for joining us. No, I appreciate it, fellas, and uh, it was good to have a chat. Okay, back on SBR shoot around and, and and Ben, that was a that was a lot of fun catching up with Aaron Traher. I've I've spent a lot of time with him over the last four or five years, as you would imagine, and and had a lot of lot of long conversations with him. But that was that felt similar to one of those chats. But all of our listeners could join in and and hear what he's got to say as well. And and when you have a look at the at the almost thirty years of basketball that he's got to share and talk about. There was a lot to cover, and there were some some great stories stories amongst it all too. Yeah, just a phenomenal career from as he said, the age of fourteen 
um, right through to now where he's the, the journey's taken him and um, just a wealth of basketball knowledge has played for multiple different coaches who have all had great success. Um, you know, Brett Brown, He's in the NBA right now, and uh, he's had a direct line to, to Aaron Traher. So, as I've said all along, the, the league is in some good hands at the moment with guys like Aaron taking on these sort of you know teams that have um, languished at the bottom for a bit. Um, the impact that he's going to have on those boys moving forward is, is immense. So we're very lucky to have him in the league. Absolutely. So thanks thanks again to Aaron for, for joining us. Um, I hope you all enjoyed listening to it. I'm sure you did. Now let's move ahead to this weekend Round four in the West Coast Classic. Three more games on Friday night to get things underway with. And the first one, this is a tough one. Belmont Oasis, the Perth Redbacks, up against the Bulletin Tigers. Yeah, I think um, we're starting to see those Redbacks hit their straps, especially Caleb White and, and Marshall Nelson. Um, so, you know, I think um, might have a little bit too much firepower for the Tigers, especially at Belmont on a, on a Friday night. Well, they still haven't lost on their home court, interestingly yes. enough. So, so until they do lose on their home floor, maybe I'll stick with them. So I'll go for the Redbacks. East Perth Eagles at home to the Coburn Cougars. Yeah, I really liked what I saw out of the, the big three for, for the Cougars, Gav, um, Travers and, um, and and Jared Holmes there. I think uh, and Savi Chan's doing a good job at the point. So I think maybe a bit too much firepower um, around the court for the for the uh, Eagles to match up on. So I'll go the Cougars in that one. Yeah, I think so. I think the Cougars as well. But it's really exciting to watch two young local teams like, like these two. So credit credit to both the Eagles and the Cougars for the way they're approaching the West Coast Classic. Now this one, this one will this one will be a real a real beauty at Lakeside Recreation Centre. Lakeside Lightning and the Rockingham Flames, they've been two of the best teams so far, but they are both coming off losses last weekend. Yeah, and look, this Lakeside team is someone that we really rate highly, but it's just so hard to predict at the moment, given that Vigor is in and out, uh, yeah. and another doubleheader this weekend. Um, so it's kind of hard to pick. Um, you know, based on his production, does make them that little bit better. So, given it's a Friday night game, uh, not knowing if he's going to play the Friday night game or not, um, I'm going to go with Lakeside. Though I really like what I saw last week, and I think once again, uh, sort of, you know, their their top five or six, uh, even without Michael Bigger, is probably uh, going to be a bit too much for the Flames. I think it's a real tough matchup for for the Flames with Jay Bowie. Yeah, similar to to last week for Rockingham too. Though they'll be up against it size wise, but. Just so we don't have all the same tips, I'll go for Rockingham, just to be different. Thank you. First up on Saturday, down at Eden Recreation Centre, Southwest Slammers hosting the Perry Lakes Hawks. Yeah, the Hawks in this one. Yeah, I think so. I think so too. But the Slammers are being a lot more competitive at home, so it might be might be a bit closer than than we think. Then yep. Aaron Traher's Mandra Magic hosting the Junior Lob Wolves. Another tough one. It's usually a tough one for the um, for the Wolves guys to travel down. Uh, being a Saturday night helps them. So, um, but I just think, yeah, just too much firepower all around the court for the Wolves. Um, Magic will put up a tough fight, but um, yeah, June Luck will get this one. Yeah, I, I think so too. Um, now, two teams backing up from playing on Friday night: Rockingham Flames at home to the East Perth Eagles. I'm gonna go the Eagles in this one. Um, I think uh, back end of a double header. Um, both both teams playing the night before. I just think the Eagles are getting through a lot more plays in their depth, um, you know. And someone like Shaq Maharaj, his his um, conditioning is is elite. 
Um, and I think he'll put up two big performances. But yeah, in, in this one on Saturday night, I think he'll lead the Eagles to a victory over the Flames. Mm. Two MVP okay, candidates okay. going head to head as well, Jackson Hussey and Shaq. I think those those two would be would be very close in that that um, that running. Absolutely, I'll stick with Rockingham on their home floor. Now you're going for the weekend. You you got just the one game for the Calamari and Suns in round four at home to the Lakeside Lightning. Yeah, uh, I think it will be too much for them to handle. Uh, we've had a really good look at them. Uh, again, we're sort of banking on them not having the two bigs in, uh, which kind of plays into our hands. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll tip us in that one in, a, in another barn burner coming down to, to the wire. I'll go for Lakeside, but no disrespect. I like I liked what I saw my first first viewing of the Suns this season in person on Sunday. So, like like you, I think it will be will be very close. Now the Geraldton. Am Buccaneers, I putting in an, an order for a hoodie for you? Hang on, am I ordering you a Suns hoodie, or are you not that far on the bandwagon yet? If you win the next game, I come to put in. The order. <laughs> All right, done. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now this one: Geraldton Buccaneers, their first home game of the season. So I assume that means they'll be raising their championship banner. But that depends if the roof is finished being being fixed up there. That was what the, the delay was in the in the renovations, but you assume it's all finished. They host the Warwick Senators. Yeah, look, if they were the team that was that played last week and, and fought hard and had made those adjustments for, for losing Liam, I think I'd give them a chance up there just because, you know, that home court and that emotion of their home crowd. But I think losing both the Hunt boys is just too much of a hole for them to fill. As much as, as Ralphie's um, really delivering for them, um, I just think, yeah, that, that loss of those two is just a bit too much for them to cover. So the Warwick Senators up the road. Yep, I agree. And interestingly, the Senators have won a couple of playoff games up in Geraldton to force game threes in the last couple of years. So they're not afraid of that of that trip. So, yeah, the Senators for me as well, just because similar to you, no hunt, no hunt boys in that Bucks team leaves them. Leaves them very much down on, on size and, and production. Last game on Saturday, the Goldfields Giants back on the road after a couple of home games. They're playing away to the Willerton Tigers. Look, I'm going to, and I'll say it now, I'm going to tip the, the Giants just simply on the back of um, the, the Twin Towers. I just think uh, Lewis yeah. Thomas is going to have his hands full going up against two quality bigs. Um, and not only are they you know, dominating the paint, but as we've seen, they can both step out and, and deliver from the land of plenty. So I think um, you know, those two with their, their, their three-guard rotation as well, Creaky's got them playing a good brand of basketball and definitely a team that's looking towards next year and, and slotting in those imports and making a, a big run for the top four. So Goldfields, Giants in that one for me. Yeah, I mean, Jerome Reed, Damon Ballantyne and Fletcher Clastorny, Along it, along with obviously the the twin towers and the starting five, it's a it's a it's a handy team that he's Creaky's actually been able to string together out of out of what looked like it could have been slim pickings. But on their home floor, despite everything you said, and I don't disagree with your reasoning, I'm going to go for Willerton on their home court. Um, then on Sunday, the Giants back it up. Coburn Cougars hosting the Goldfields Giants down at Wally Hagen. Yeah, and look, uh, if it had been a Saturday night game for the um, for the Cougars, I probably would have would have tipped the Giants in this one just because of the depth. But given that extra day off, I think Gav Field and Luke Travers and Jared will be ready for them. Um, and again, they're getting some good play out of Saver um, in the backcourt there. So um, I'll go the Cougars down at the Cougar Dome for this one. Again, I agree with all of your reasoning, but just to make our tipping interesting because of the wide margin, I'm going to go the opposite and go for the, go for the Giants. You keep rubbing that in, don't you? Keep rubbing it in. <laughs> 
there's not many things I win in life, so when I'm in front of something, <laughs> I better make the most of it. Oh, fair enough too, same as me. <laughs> uh, okay, so that's round four in the West Coast Classic to look forward to. I hope you've all enjoyed this show. It's been a lot of a lot of fun to put it together once again. Thanks to Aaron Traher for joining us. And there's been so much to talk about in the West Coast Classic. It's just, it's keeping us keeping us entertained right now, which is what we what we hoped for when we needed needed a replacement for the SBL in in 2020. And don't forget, next week we'll come back and do our mid season predictions. And we want to hear from you, our listeners, on who you think are going to win the championship from here. Who's the who's the who's leading the race for the MVP award, the most improved player award, the coach of the year. And also your All Star Five and your Next Gen All Star Five. So hit us up during the week. We'll we'll send you through a reminder on social media to get in touch with us and to share your thoughts. And we'll come back next week with all of that. So that's it for this week on SBL Shootaround from me. I'm Chris Pike, and I'll leave you with now the the Eastern Suns assistant coach trying to start a winning streak, Ben Etridge. Well, one one is a win streak as far as we're mm-hmm. concerned up the hill, but. Look for me, um, just uh, some some great results. We've seen some excellent um, you know, old guys get out there and, and play their trade, and really excited to see um, you know what these teams that are doing um, trying to build for for the years to come and those young kids coming through. So looking to see you know how they perform. Um, it's one thing to to have a couple of good games, but when you start to string that consistency together, um, that's what we're looking for. So uh, really excited about this weekend. Um, can't wait to get out there and, and see a few great results and. Um, hopefully, you know, the, the ball bounces your way.